Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Well, what's up, Soma? Y'all doing good today? Man, I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, we've had two awesome services, and I just feel like I'm at home, right? I mean, this is just a great church. Don't you know you have a great pastors? Aren't you thankful for Pastor Michael and Brooke? Come on, put your hands together. So much passion, so much vision, and they're the real deal. And uh, we connected straight away, and uh, we're, you know, we haven't known each other very long, but I just have a feeling we're friends for life now, right? Uh, and what awesome worship. Wow, you guys have, can I take, I was noticing some of the instruments in the instrument, can I take a few of them home with me? Would that be all right? Just borrow them for a couple of years? Come on, you guys like the worship here? It's pretty, pretty amazing. You guys are blessed. Seriously, though, uh, what a great team. Everybody's been so kind and so hospitable. Uh, I do bring you greetings from the ARC, the Association of Related Churches. I have the privilege of serving on the lead team, uh, and we plant churches. We're not, we're not a denomination. But we plant churches. In the last 20 years, we've planted over 1,000 life-giving churches all over the country, some even internationally. And every time you give of your tithes and offerings, a portion that goes to help plant churches. Aren't you thankful you're a part of a church that helps plant other churches? Aren't you thankful for that, you guys? So amazing, because you're not just thinking about Hickory, you're thinking about other communities, you're thinking about other cities, other locations that also need a life-giving church, and, and that's, I believe, that's one of the reasons why God is blessing you so much. I have my awesome wife, Martha, here with me. We will have been married 30 years in May. Come on, somebody. I was just 12 years old when we got married. Just, just joking, but Martha's amazing. I love her. We have three children. We're kind of in the empty nester flow. We, uh, our oldest uh, is 20, let me make sure I get this right, right? Third service. 26, then we have a 26-year-old, 25-year-old daughter and a 23-year-old son. So two daughters and a son. My son is our worship minister. My daughter is our kids minister. My daughter-in-law is over our creative arts and production. And my oldest is in the hospitality industry. And uh, they're all amazing and uh, so it's great to be here. We started C3 Church in 1998. It'll be 24 years this coming fall. We planted our church with a handful of people in an elementary school cafeteria with about 40 or 50 people. And now we're on an old, if you were to come see our church, we're on an old 47-acre tobacco farm. They used to grow tobacco on that property, and now we grow disciples. Come on, somebody. I just felt the Holy Ghost. Oh. But uh, we uh, 47 acre tobacco farm. It was a miracle how we got the land. It wasn't for sale. It's just a God thing. And uh, we've seen God do some amazing things. Over 3,000 people have been baptized in the last 23 years. And we just give all the glory. Never dreamed he would do all that he would do. And I know God is doing something very, very special here at Soma. And I'm, I'm excited to, to have a front row seat to see what God's going to do, uh, not only today, but in your future. Today, we're going to talk about the, this whole idea of the great I am, how God is the great I am. And we're also going to talk about, underneath that, like about labels, and, and sometimes labels can, be, can define us. Um, 
So full disclosure, I'm a Wolfpack fan. Any yeah. Wolfpack fans in here? Come on, full disclosure. I'm not ashamed. Listen. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, so so I, I'm a Wolfpack fan. I love the ACC, okay? I'll be pulling for Carolina on Monday night. I love the ACC. Uh, and, uh, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Wolfpack, which one of the benefits of being a Wolfpack is, is uh, you stay humble, and your prayer life is really strong. You know, you stay on your knees a lot, praying to the Lord, Lord help us, right? We're still celebrating 1983. Come on. You got to keep celebrating the wins. But, um, but I'm also a Coach K fan. Like I'm, I'm, Martha and I love Coach K. Uh, we just, I just think he's a legend. And, uh, and even though we're not huge Duke fans, we like Coach K. So I got to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? I didn't tell the first service this, but thank you. I'm going to tell you a story. What's your name? Lincoln? Layton. Lincoln. Awesome. How old are you? How old are you? Eight years old. You're, you're a princess of the king. Awesome. I thank you for your passion. Come on. And so, so this is embarrassing, but I'm just going to be honest. So, so um, my son played basketball when he was like middle school, high school. And they were playing Durham Academy. Coach K's grandson played for Durham Academy, about the same age as my, my youngest. And so we went, Martha and I went to the game, and, and uh, they were like, I think, eighth, ninth grade. Martha said, hey, look over there. Isn't that Coach K? And I was like, that is Coach K. So I'm like creeping pictures, like texting to my friends. They're like, no way, dude. It's like a middle school gymnasium with like, you know, bleachers, maybe 100 people there total, right? Fast forward a year. Now, is it, now they're in high school, so he's playing against Durham Academy High School. High school auditorium, still bleachers, and uh, so we're there, and I'm on the phone talking to Martha. We get there early, you know, because they had to warm up, and, and so I'm in the lobby of, the, of this uh, high school gymnasium talking to Martha, and as I'm standing there, Coach K walks past me. I'm like, like by himself, just like chilling, like, what's up? Like, no entourage, no security, no, his family wasn't even with him. He just kind of bebopped in there, said, Martha, I need to let you go. This is my opportunity to meet Coach K. She said, I understand, because she likes Coach So I walked in there. He's sitting there, true story, he's sitting there on the bleachers by himself. The players are warming up. And I walk up to him, I said, I said, Coach K, I said, my name is Matt Fry. He's like, nice to meet you. And this is where I just froze. Like, I went, I, I was paralyzed. I didn't know what to say. I was like, I'm a grown man, but I felt like a, like a two-year-old in front of Santa Claus. Just like. And the only words that came out of my mouth was, I like Duke. And he was like, okay. And I was like, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I just kind of. I'm, I'm an idiot. So I sat down, and I'm wearing a jacket. Underneath my jacket, I was wearing an NC State Wolfpack shirt. I was like, man, come on. So, so anyways, how many know? <laughs> the Bible says you've got to humble yourself, right? <laughs> and if you don't humble yourself, life has a way of humbling you. So today we're going to talk about he, he is the great I am. I'm not the great I am. I'm, I'm, I'm just Matt. 
a follower of Jesus, but he is the great I am. So we're going to talk about that. What label are you wearing? You know, a lot of times we have labels. Literally, some of you have labels on your clothing, right? There's labels, Nike, Adidas. You got the Soma label. Come on, somebody, Soma. It's a cool name. So where you go to church? Soma. Come on. That just has a little, nice little flow to it. So we have these labels that we wear. Sometimes we see labels, right? If you, if you have kids and you're driving, maybe taking a road trip, and you're getting hungry, and your child may not be able to even talk yet, but they see the golden arches, oh, you know, it's like, you're like, okay, we're going to pull over. And we, we see these labels, right? And, and, and the labels are so powerful, but what we don't realize is sometimes we have labels that, that, we, that we actually are put on us that we carry throughout life. I love, by the way, on your website, it says, we believe that following Jesus leads us to a place of uncommon unity where we lay aside the labels that usually divide us for something much more life-giving. And we have these labels. Sometimes the world puts us in boxes, right? And we kind of see our identity in those boxes. That means that a place like this church, Tar Heel fans can sit next to Duke fans, can sit next to Wolfpack fans, maybe even an App State fan, East Carolina, right? We've got any of those in there. And, and you can love God together, amen, right? So there's unity, whether you're Republican, Democrat, whatever color you are, whatever background you are, whatever denomination you may have grown up in, how you know that God loves you and he sees you for who you are? You can find unity in that. That's why God's blessed in this church. Two, two words, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first word is this. It's a great day to take notes, by the way. Number one is discover. Everybody say discover. The first point is we must discover. We're talking about how to understand who you are and how to live out the purpose that God has for you. Number one is to discover who you are in Christ. As I was in my journey with God, I just realized that, that my identity often was, was tied in with what I did, my title or my position or words that were spoken over me. So the revelation I had was, and your pastor has, has preached on this, that Moses has an encounter with God through the burning bush. How crazy is that, Right? I think it was last week or previous sermon you talked about from Exodus 3. And so, so Moses says, uh, so what is your name? If I'm going to go deliver God's people from slavery, what's your name? And God says that my name is what? What is it? I am. I am. Okay, that's the name of your series, right? So I am. And so, so, so I am. That's what I'm asking you. Like, I am who? Like, he says, I am that I am. I am. That's my name. I, I always have been, always will be. So then we see Jesus shows up, and we see in the gospel seven times, where Jesus, because he's also God, and he says, I am. And we see all of these I am declarations that Jesus gives. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread. I am the light. And all these declarations. And then I saw where there are declarations about who God says I am. So here's the big idea. When I encounter the great I am, that's when I discover who I am. There's a direct connection between my view of God and how God sees me so that I can live out the purpose and plan that he has for my life. When I encounter the great I am, that's when I discover who I am. 
the power of the I am. So one of the declarations that Jesus gives, he says, I am the bread of life. You talked about that, I believe, in week one. Week two, I am the light of the world, right? You talked about that last Sunday. Great, great job, by the way. Powerful messages. And then today uh, is I am the door. So let's talk just for a moment about what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the door. John chapter 10, verse 9. If you have your Bible, you can look there. John chapter 10, verse 9. You version or paperback. Jesus says, I am the what? Door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it, and that they may have it more abundantly. So Jesus declares, I am the door. If you choose me, he says in verse 10, that you will have life, eternal life in heaven, and then abundant life, because the Christian life is more than just, you know, going to heaven. It's about the abundant life that God has for you here. So he says, the enemy, the thief, has come to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. Here's the idea behind Jesus saying, I am the door. When you choose Jesus, he's going to help you determine and give you the wisdom to determine when you're making decisions, is this a good opportunity or is it a God opportunity? Because decisions are, we're going to have to make decisions and opportunities are going to come our way. And just because something may look like a good opportunity doesn't mean necessarily that it's a God opportunity. Maybe you're single and you're looking for that woman, you know, to be, you're, you're like, I, I really want to get married. Man, you see this beautiful girl, like, man, she's, she's it. You just feel like the Lord spoke to you, like, this is it. You don't even know her yet, but it's like, you just see her across her and this is the girl, you know, and you meet her and stuff and then find out maybe she doesn't have a relationship with God and you're like, it may look like a good opportunity, but how many know it may not be a God opportunity? Because you want to have somebody who loves God, right? Who's passionate for him. Maybe you get a job opportunity for a promotion or a, a, a transfer, maybe a job opportunity, and, and it comes in. On the surface, it looks like a no-brainer, like, hey, this is more money. It's, you know, it's a better position, blah, blah, blah. But you pray about it, and you realize, wait, actually, it looks like a good opportunity, but it may not be a God opportunity because I may have to uproot my family. I might have to move to a different city uproot my family from their relationships and from an amazing Soma church, right? It may be a God opportunity, but just because it looks like it on the surface doesn't mean that it is. Does that make sense? When Jesus declares, I am the door, he tells you and shows you what a good opportunity is versus what a God opportunity is. How about when you're driving down the road and you see the hot light on, right? Krispy Kreme. Come on, somebody. That's like the Holy Ghost. It's like, hallelujah, blinded by the light. And you go, man, that's, that's a God thing right there. <laughs> Chocolate-covered cream-filled is my favorite. Come on, anybody with me? It's just, a, it's just, I just feel the Lord when I even said that. And uh, the hot light's on. But how do you know that hot, it, it may look like a good opportunity, but hot now means fat later. So you got to be careful. <laughs> so you got to, you got to, you 
Nothing wrong with a donut, but you got to be, uh, you know, have some wisdom. Amen. I, I, I have a guy in my church. It's 1115 service, so I'm just going to have a good time. So the guy in my church on the Dream Team, every Sunday morning, he brings like dozens of Krispy Kreme donuts on his own initiative. Just, he just wants to bless everybody. And Bojangle biscuits. Come on, somebody. Can it get any better than Bojangles and Krispy Kreme to kick off your Sunday morning? Problem is, I'm, I'm preaching, so it's like, it's not something you want to probably eat before you preach, right? At least, maybe when you're Michael's age, but not my age. I can't get away with it. So I'll sit it aside and say, after I preach, I'm going to eat that chocolate-covered cream filled. But uh, I don't know what my point was with that. But anyways, <laughs> I got totally distracted by Krispy Kreme. <laughs> the other, other week, I mentioned this new ice cream place that opened up around our church. And I just mentioned it. And the, the guy said, man, we were flooded that day with like, people from your church buying ice cream. So Krispy Kreme may see a little promotion and a little like, something spiked on this day. What happened? Everybody at Soma Church is getting Krispy Kreme. So, so this idea of labels, like we, for me, I would often find my identity based on either words that were spoken over me or my position or my title. Let me illustrate this a little bit. Maybe this will help understand my journey. When I was seven years old, second grade, I was uh, in elementary school, and the, the teacher divided the groups into three different groups. So you had one group was uh, the, 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 the fast readers. This middle table was the average readers. And then this table over here were the students that read a little bit slower. And it wasn't like she made a big announcement necessarily. I just remember for some reason as a seven-year-old that I was put in the average table. So I was in the middle, and uh, teacher didn't, it wasn't her fault, but the label that was put on me was that I'm just average. And as a seven-year-old, I just kind of had, it wasn't the teacher that, she wasn't doing anything wrong, but the label that was put on me that I allowed was that I'm average. And it might sound silly to you, but I began, as I was going through, middle school and high school, and you could choose different classes, I would choose classes that were, weren't as hard because I had this label, this mindset that I was just average. When I was in, uh, just a kid, I started wrestling competitively and uh, found some success in it, wrestled all throughout middle school, into high school, and then ultimately into college. And when I was a freshman in high school, I went to the Tennessee State Championship Wrestling Tournament and I w- the match went into overtime, and uh, I lost by one point. Pretty good season for a freshman, uh, but I was, I was discouraged and kind of just exhausted. Sat down. I'll never forget, like I'm 14 years old. I'm in the hallway of the gymnasium, kind of off by myself, and the coach comes over to me. I'm sure he meant well, but coach looked at me, pointed his finger, and he said, you didn't want it bad enough. You could have won that match. You, you gave up. You quit. You're a quitter. And so I had this label that I allowed to be put on me. Again, the, the coach probably had no idea about this, but that I'm a quitter. I remember being tempted to quit because this label that was put on me was I was a quitter. Well, I found some success, and I was able to go to college on a wrestling scholarship. So now my identity is... I'm Matt the Wrestler, so if you were to ask me, tell me about yourself, I would quickly tell you, because it was my primary identity, is I am Matt Fry, the wrestler. 
I didn't have really any goals in my life. I was undecided as a freshman, but that was my identity. Then I surrendered my life to God. And I, and I surrendered to ministry, and I start serving ultimately uh, as a youth pastor. And now, of course, I'm a senior pastor, but for 13 years I worked with teenagers. Never dreamed, by the way, that I would be a senior pastor. I, want, I just love teenagers. But there was one time in between churches that uh, I was unemployed, Martha and I were married, had two little girls, and I got a job as a part-time custodian just to provide for my family. Things didn't go well at the church. It wasn't a fit, and so here I am kind of in between churches. My identity all this time had been like, you know, what I did, what my title was. Now my position is I'm a youth pastor. So you ask me what do I do? Well, I'm, I'm a youth pastor. I was pretty proud of it. I'm a youth pastor at this big church, like, well-known, like, that's who, that's who I am. Well, now I'm no longer Matt Fry, the youth pastor. So I didn't know who I was. So I'm cleaning different uh, office buildings. I'm cleaning, I, we cleaned a mall. Uh, I would clean um, a police station. So I tell the story in the book that I'm cleaning this police station. Most of the places that I would clean, there was nobody there. It was empty. So I would go and clean it, and I, had a, I was with a team of cleaners. And then um, this one place I would clean was a, uh, a, was a police station, as I mentioned. And so th- there's a policeman in this one office sitting behind his desk. And I walk in, I said, excuse me, sir. I said, uh, can I get that trash can for you? So he pulled his chair back, and he looked at me and said, wait. He said, aren't you Matt Fry? Aren't you the youth pastor at the church down the street? And I said, well, I used to be, and I kind of awkwardly changed the subject, and I was like, but can I get that trash can? <laughs> you talk about being humbled. I was just, it was a defining moment in a good way. It, was, it humbled me. I remember going home, sitting on the couch, and I was just devastated, like, who am I? Like, who am I? Like, I've always been like all these different things. And now, like, I've given my life to God, and now here I am, like, Matt Fry, like, who am I? I'm not Matt Fry, a youth pastor. I'm not Matt Fry, a wrestler. And I began to read through Philippians, and Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And I was like, yes, Lord, I need the power. But then it goes on, it says, then you must fellowship in my suffering. I'm like, Lord, I don't want any more suffering. Like, I've experienced enough suffering. He says, how much do you want to know me? If you want to know Christ and you want the power, you must be willing to go through the suffering. It was in that moment that I realized I was not Matt Fry, any of these labels. I was Matt Fry, a child of God. That was my identity. I'm a follower of Jesus who just happens to be fill in the blank. Does that make sense, everybody? So like right now, I'm Matt Fry, a child of God. And I just happen to be the pastor at C3 Church. But my identity is found in Christ. And when we understand that, it is freeing. So today, we're going to take these labels off that have been put on us in Jesus' name. And we're going to realize that I'm not any of those labels. Because the devil has no right to label you. And the words that are put on you and the identity that you might be feeling like that's my identity, that has no right to be a label for you. The only label as a follower of Jesus is that I'm a child of God. Let me make sure I get all these off of here, I want to get these off. All right, so did I get them all off? Almost. Here we go. All right. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says that you are God's masterpiece. 
It says he has created you anew in Christ Jesus so you can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are a masterpiece. Think about that. You are created by God. You are God's masterpiece. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, you're a masterpiece. Come on. Come on. Look at the person on the other side and say, you're a masterpiece too. How many of you singles are thankful that you sat next to who you sat next to? I am God's masterpiece. Only God has the right to label you because a creator is the one who can label you. And he looks at you and says, you're a child of God. And the Bible is filled with all of these I am declarations who God says that I am and who you are. So the second word is this. First word is discover. The second word, if you're taking notes, is declare. Everybody say declare. There's power when we discover. When I encounter the great I am, that's when I discover who I am. But the second one is also important that we must declare who God says that we are. There is power in our words. The Proverbs says that out of, the, out of the mouth, the tongue produces life and death, that we will taste its fruit. There is power in our words. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, we will experience the fruit of the words that we say. Our words can encourage, or our words can discourage. Our words can build up, or our words can tear down. And the words that we speak over ourselves can determine our life and our future. Our words are powerful. What you say about yourself will impact your life and your future. So we talked about Moses at the burning bush, all right? We talked about how he, God used him to deliver the Israelites from slavery. Now here they are, fast forward, they're at the promised land. They're, at the, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And, and God tells them, send 12 spies to go into the land and spy out the land. Remember, it's the promised land. So that all 12 go in. They, all 12 come back with a report. All 12 of them, if you know the story, all 12 of them say, hey, they all agreed, man, this land is amazing. It flows with milk and honey. I mean, it is unbelievable. All 12 agreed that there were giants in the land, that this was a challenge. But only two of them believed that God was bigger than those giants. The other 10 were negative and said, you know what? We can't do that. They were focused more on the problem than they were the promise of God. Now, does anybody know the names of the two spies that were positive that said, we can do this? Does anybody know the names of the two positive spies? Anybody? Joshua and Caleb. That's a Sunday school question right there, right? Joshua and Caleb. Good job. So only Joshua and Caleb were the ones that said, we can do this. They were like, yeah, there's giants in the land. It's a big deal. But our God is bigger than those giants. The ten negative spies, because they focused on the negative, and they spoke negative words over the situation, they said things like, because this is what the, the devil will do to you. He always magnifies. The more you focus on the problem, the bigger the problem gets. But by the way, the more you focus on God, the, the bigger God gets in your situation. And so they said things like, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. Look it up. We look like grasshoppers. Like, ser- did anybody stop and go, are you serious? Like, 
time out here. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. I mean, they might be bigger than us, but that's kind of an exaggeration. And that's what the enemy will do. He'll kind of magnify the problems because they were only focusing on the problems. So we see in Numbers chapter 14, verse 26, very important scripture. When I saw this, it was like just jumped off the page of the Bible. I was like, wow. Numbers 14, verse 26. Let's look at this together. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Verse 28. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you, what? Say. I was like, wait, it doesn't say, I will do to you the very things that you did, the very things that you believed. It says, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. If you know the story, the ten negative spies did not go into the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb and their descendants. And the only difference I can tell here is the ten declared the problem, and Joshua and Caleb declared God's promise. It was what they declared with their mouth. I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Now, I used to be like real hard on the 10 negative spies. Like they're negative. They'll be negative. And then one day the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, you know what? Sometimes you can be negative. I was like, oh, ouch. Yeah, you can be negative. Sometimes you focus more on the problem than the promise. I'm like, you're right, Lord, forgive me. I used to be real hard on them, but you real, I think all 12, I don't know for sure, but I think all 12 of them had destiny. All 12. All 12 could have been world changers. But only two experienced God's promised land. Now, I asked you the names of Joshua and Caleb. Can you name the names of the 10 negative spies without looking at your Bible? Can you name five of the 10 negative spies? Can you name one of the negative spies? Can I read them off to you? See if you recognize any of these names. Shemua, son of Zakur. Shaphat, son of Horai. Nobody names their kids these names, by the way. Come over here, Shaphat. It just doesn't, doesn't have a nice ring to it. Igal, son of Joseph. Palti, son of Rafu. Gadiel, son of Sodi. Gadi, son of Susi. Amiel, son of Gamali. Suthur, son of Michael. Nabi, son of Vosi. Geul, son of Maki. Nobody recognizes those names. Nobody names their kids after these people. I believe they had destiny. I believe they could have been history makers. But, the, but what they did was they declared what couldn't happen rather than what God could do. The wrong I am's will impact your future. Come on, let's be a Joshua. Let's be a Caleb. We named our youngest, our son, we named him Caleb because we wanted him to live with this God can do attitude. This the God can do spirit. So what I want to do right now is I want to, I want to read the 31 I am declarations. I began to do some research and this was, this was not a book idea. It was just my own journey with God. I began to look through the Bible. All of the I am declarations that I see in the Bible. And I began to write them down and began to declare them every day. And 
I began to see a shift take place. Martha and I began to see breakthroughs take place as we were declaring God's promises because it's easy to get negative. And I want to go on the offensive. So every morning at 6 a.m., you can, you can do whatever you want, but I, you can actually set up a, a reminder. By the way, if you go to mattfry.com, there's all these free resources. You can download the bookmarks for free. You can, there's videos for free. And one of the things you can do is you can set a, a, a reminder on your iPhone or uh, on, your, on Google. And so I get a reminder on Google and on also as well on my phone at 6 a.m. every morning with the declaration for that day because there's one for every day of the month. And I just declare that over my life throughout the day. And it, it, there's just power in declaring the Word of God. It's not magic. It's the power of the Word of God. Can I remind you that the Word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so these 31 iron declarations, we're going to declare these together. I want you to receive these declarations. I want you to declare them. And I'll encourage you to take one declaration every day. These are all in the end of the, at the back of the book, chapter 8. Take one declaration every day and declare it over your life. And after 30 days, 31 days, I believe you'll see already the impact of the power of the Word of God. So I'm going to declare these over you. We're going to say these. I'm going to say these out loud, and then when we get done, we're going to celebrate, all right? We're going to worship the great I am. Here are the 31 declarations. I am fearfully and wonderfully made by a holy God. I am God's masterpiece. I am made in the image of God. I am forgiven. I am redeemed by God. I am called by name. I am a new creation. The old life is gone. I am greatly loved by God. I am his child. I am an heir of God and co-heir with Christ. I am a member of God's family. I am blessed in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing. I am chosen to be a part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart for God. I am his treasured possession. I am precious to God. I am being built into a spiritual house. I am a temple of the living God. I am full and complete, lacking nothing. I am the righteousness of God. I am his ambassador. I am free. I am healed. I am whole. I am more than a conqueror. I am a warrior for Christ. I am wanted. I am significant. I am a citizen of God's kingdom. I am sent by God. I am light in the darkness. I am a friend of God, chosen by him, and appointed to bear good fruit. I am his radiant bride, and I am without spot or wrinkle in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Let's worship him. Let's exalt the great I am. He is an awesome God. Lord, we worship you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you always have been. You always will be. You're the God who can do the impossible, Lord. We worship you right now. Come on, take a moment right now. And whatever it is you want to give to God, whatever label that you've been wearing, a title, maybe words that were spoken over you by somebody else, like we all have these labels, we all have these words that sometimes they stick. And just take a moment right now, identify that and just give it to God. And then just take a moment and replace it with who God says that you are. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we are a new creation. Old things are passed away. And maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. I'm not sure I'm a child of God, but I would like to know for sure. I'm going to invite you right now, if you're online or in, in this room, believing that Jesus 
died on the cross and he rose from the grave and ask him to come into your heart as your Savior and Lord, right where you are. Pray this prayer from your heart to God. Say, Dear God, I realize that I've sinned and I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross and for rising from the grave. Come into my heart and save me. Thank you for giving me eternal and abundant life. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we celebrate with you new life in Jesus, a fresh start with God. Would you let the team know there's a card in the seat in front of you? Just let us know that you prayed that prayer. I know the team would love to come alongside of you and help you and bless you and encourage you. Before we go back into worship, can I pray for you? Maybe just kind of open up your hands to God right now. Let me just pray for you. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you are the great I am. You are all-powerful. You're all-knowing. You're everything that we need. And so, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for that truth. Let it sink deep within our hearts. Thank you that you're a God that forgives. You're a God who heals. You're a God who sets free. You're a God who gives purpose and direction. Lord, that you give us power and wisdom that we need. I pray a blessing over every person here right now, a blessing over this church family. Oh God, I pray that there would be so many life, so much life change and impact in this community for your glory. But Lord, let it start with me. Let it start with us. Let us, we surrender our life to you. We worship you. We exalt your name in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's worship him right now.